are back with episode two, Sprints and Features. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrap SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we are excited to absolutely 100% what we're doing because we're going from one to two episodes. And pretty exciting. I, I felt good about getting one episode in the books. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, I think they, okay, one in the books. And now we're recording two. That tells me this is a thing. It's happening. We're doing it. Yeah, everything from here is hockey sticking up. Yeah, and, exactly. And to the right. Yeah, it's amazing. Our growth after like from zero to where we've come has been pretty impressive. Yeah, I've actually had some fun figuring out all these little wrinkles of podcast recording and getting your feed submitted everywhere and finding an editor and a voiceover talent and all that kind of stuff. That was, yeah. that was kind of an interesting uh, process to get to learn so much about a, a new medium. It, it's been a while since I've had to, it was kind of like learning WordPress all over. And you've really done it. I've basically been sitting back and you just tell me when to show up. So thank you, Aaron, for, for managing all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's like I, I mentioned, that's a personal issue. I need to delegate more and do less, but it I love to learn, so it's definitely kind of exciting, but I probably need to you know, hand some of it off to you to get you to feel involved. Yeah, sometimes you're going to be busy and I'll take the reins of organizing everything. There you go. So what have you been up to the last couple of weeks since we talked last? Well, we're trying to get this one tool out the door. We've been building this new tool, which we call Review Checker, and oh, we were so confident. Like after like last Friday, we're like, we're definitely going to launch this thing. And then uh, on Monday, we started stress testing it. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, right. There's this problem. <laughs> That's the trouble. You always think you're done. And then you just have a bunch of people poke at it. And you're like, wow, there's still so much more that we need to do before this thing is ready for prime time. But that's been taking up all of our time and I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a great project. I think it's going to be a nice little tool that will lead Jen into WhiteSpark stuff. You know, we we you know we have built that review link generator. Do you know that on our website? Yep. That thing gets so many mentions and tweets and links to it. It's it's a really great tool that drives a lot of attention to WhiteSpark. And so this will be something kind of similar. Nice. Now, do you guys have kind of a formalized process as you're like getting ready to release a feature or a new little tool like this that, that you follow very closely? Or is it just kind of like a everyday, see where you're at, see if it's done, next step kind of deal? It's the latter. It's kind of like we're always just picking away at it, right? So it's like, Dimitri will finish the last round of edits, uh, you know, a request that I made of like how I want it to look. And then I'll take a look at it, or Jesse will take a look at it. It's basically been Jesse and I sort of testing the tool out and writing up a list of things that we want different. And then he'll finish that round and then we do it again and take another pass at it and think about it some more. So it's been growing like that over the, the last little while. And then we had a bunch of our team members take a look at it and we found some problems. And the, the biggest problem, first I'll explain how the tool works. So basically it just scans your business name. So it'll search Google. It'll find any sites that have review schema. 
in, with little uh, stars that show up in Google search results. And then it will track that and give you a report saying, hey, you have this many reviews on Google, and this is your rating. You have this many on Yelp, Facebook, TripAdvisor, et cetera. So it just gives you this nice little report of how many reviews you have. And so if you are an agency on a budget or a small business, you just want to keep track of this, you can just come back to the tool once a month or once a week and run it and get a little report back. And you can say, okay, well, this is this is how our reviews are going. So it's this free little once-off check your reviews tool. In terms of the development, yeah, it's basically just been that we keep plugging away at it. And one of the problems that we're finding is, let's say you put in a really generic name. Well, Google returns a whole bunch of stuff that's actually not your business. It's someone else's business. It's some weird business. So if your name is really generic, you can get a whole bunch of what we are calling false positives in the tool. So we're trying to figure out a way to fix that before we launch it. Nice. So how far into the results does it go? Is it mostly looking at like page directories that would rank page one or... Does it go further than that? What does that look like? Yeah, we do the first two pages. All right. So you're, you're looking at both page one and then page two, where the SEO joke is, that's the best place to hide a dead body is page exactly, two of yeah. Google search results. Yeah. And we run about 10 different searches and then we combine all the results. So we do a whole bunch of variation to try and find everything we could, right? Yeah, awesome. You're looking at this as kind of more of a, of a marketing and lead gen tool at, at the same time you're building it out or other people on the team taking care of like the marketing pieces and, and how you're going to promote it? Well, promoting is pretty simple. We don't have a huge promotion plan. Basically, it's a free tool, right? So it's just a new little free tool. We're going to tweet about it, obviously, and put it on our social stuff. We'll put it in our newsletter, and that'll mostly be the extent of it. And we think, generally, my experience is if you launch a free tool that is cool and useful, the marketing does itself. So people will just share it because it's free. It's like, oh, this is a great new free tool. And we might do a little uh, poking around, like people that talk about free tools and have free SEO tools. We'll make sure we get listed on those. So just a little prospecting and outreach for that. And then that's about the extent of it. The thing is interesting, though, because we have a number of clients. So we have this one client in particular who is using Reputation Builder, which is our white labeled version of Gather Up. And they've got 70 of their locations in there, but across the US, they have like 120 or something like that. There's some reason there's like this other faction of the business that Reputation Builder is overkill for them. They don't want to put them in a Reputation Builder. And it's like the whole process doesn't make sense for them but they still want to be able to track reviews. And so they were just asking me like, do you recommend any like inexpensive rank review tracking tool? And I was like, uh, well, we have this little thing. And she's like, oh, well, if you could give me that in a monthly report, then we'd pay for it, right? So I might actually put a subscription model on this thing. I might say like for inexpensive five bucks a location, we'll give you this report every month and then we'll track it over time and give you a nice interface where you can see pretty charts and all that kind of stuff and multi-location view. So I am actually thinking about launching it as a as a paid tool, but we definitely can't do that until we fix some of these false positives and other problems with it. Yeah, I mean, maybe you look at something like you're allowed one scan per email address or something, right? So yeah. you, you can limit their use if they want to run it more than they would need to switch to the paid version. Yeah, we already have that actually. We limit it to three searches per day. Okay. It also does this cool thing. It calculates a... Uh, a review score for you. 
So we will, it's specifically a Google review score. We look at your primary category and we compare it with all the other businesses and how many reviews they have and what their ratings are. And we combine that to sort of generate a score based on what the average is and how, where you fit on that average. And so we report that back to you as well. So it's pretty handy to get the sense of how am I doing compared to my competition. Yeah. So how are you pulling competitors? Is that from others in the same category, regardless of like location, others that have ran it in the tool, or are you actually finding a way to pull out others that might be in the map pack against them? What, what does that look like? Yeah. So what it looks like is we pull their primary category from Google My Business. So basically they'll select their business. We grab what we can find for them. And then we look at their GMB business profile, which used to be called the knowledge panel and figure out what the primary category is. And then we take that primary category and we search it in the local finder results and grab the top 60 businesses ranking for that term. And we parse all their data out. And then that's how we determine the average in your city. So your average in your city, you might, there might be 60 other hair salons. Here's the top 60. These are their reviews and, and ratings. And this is where you fall in that. Got it. Yeah. That sounds really awesome and really like helpful. Can I, can I send you a few people to run a test on? Yeah, totally. I'll just give you access to the tool. Hey, I like that even better. Yeah. Do you, do you guys often do with features? Do you do like an open beta with any of your customers? Is that part of a feature release for you? Um, it is. And we will do that for our local citation finder for a free little tool like this. We probably wouldn't do it, but we are launching a new version of the local citation finder. It's currently getting put through its paces by our internal team. And there's lots of stuff we still have to do before we would open it up to some of our customers. But yeah, I, I would imagine we'll have a couple of weeks where we collect feedback from customers once we get it to the stage that we're happy with. And then that will probably come up with another few weeks or month of feature updates. And then we'll launch it officially. Nice. How about you? You got What do you guys do? Do you invite your top clients to stress test some of your new features? Yeah, a majority, you know, we kind of look at certain things that it is a, a, a must. So we kind of go through, you know, internal dev servers, then what we actually do is turn every feature into kind of a, a flag where it can be turned on and off in like our admin panel internally. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do what we kind of refer to. We just call it private beta. And it's usually us just turning it on inside of our own accounts where we maintain some data or businesses. So many things make so much more sense when you're looking at you know real data instead of just stuff you're inputting or, or trying to use without a business case. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then our, our normal process that we've moved to is we just kind of do an, an open invite uh, on our monthly webinars. So we just did our January webinar last Tuesday, and we actually have two different features going into beta in the next few weeks. And so we just put out there to you know send an email to our support team with you know beta invite in the subject line. And then we invite those people into the beta when it's ready, send them instructions on you know how it works and things to be aware of. Uh, and then if it's a larger feature, you know, we, we keep track of all the feedback and comments that come in. And then some of the times we'll even do a survey at, at the end of it, anywhere from like eight to 10 questions on, is it intuitive? Is there something you'd add? You know, just trying to find out more about their experience with it. Uh, and that's that process. You know, we really solidified kind of our process around releasing a feature last year. And it's still, you know, a work in progress. We're trying to always optimize it, but it, it has really served us well. And we've just come leaps and bounds, especially in the last like 18 months of that being a more formalized process. Man, that's nice. That's smart. We are very not organized <laughs> like that. So I think that I will take some notes on that. And when we do 
do our proper release for the local citation finder update, we'll follow that process exactly. It's a real, it's a huge release. It's like we rebuilt the whole software. So, yeah, wow, that release is massive, and and that'll certainly be the topic of. It'll come up many times in this podcast as we continue to, to yeah. push forward on that. Yeah, those big ones are the hardest, right? But we had the same thing last year when we rebuilt, when we added our client level and introduced an agency dashboard for all of our agency resellers. Yeah. And there were just all kinds of reasons behind it. And it was one of those things. And if we didn't get it structurally in, we were going to wind up with just some issues in how we delivered features to our agency resellers, which is a you know very important segment to us. We, we kind of have three buckets of customers. One is a single location, small business. The next bucket is, you know, multi-location business might be anywhere from five locations, physical locations in their business to, you know, 10, 15,000 locations of their business. And then the third is that white label version that agencies and and resellers, we have hundreds upon hundreds of agencies and resellers that that resell our software. In terms of number of locations, that middle tier is the biggest, right? Like multi-location brands that are working directly with you? Yeah. Uh, as far as like location-wise, definitely that brings the biggest girth of, of locations, right? Because you can have one client that has tens of thousands or one client that has a yeah, thousand. Exactly. So location-wise, which is what our pricing model is built off of, that's definitely the one, the, the biggest. But the, our agency reseller is so important because it has so much expansion in it, right? You, you land an agency and they start selling it in their first month, they get four or five customers on, and then they can just continue to kind of organically do that, right? They're out selling it and pitching it to their customer base. And so, you know, we have resellers who have north of a thousand locations all by themselves that are, you know, all their customer locations. Mm-hmm. As we found, you know, some of the thing behind the kind of the, the client level and the agency dashboard we put into play was really helping a lot of our resellers sell to more multi-locations. Just there were some yeah. challenges, yeah, and how structured the system was. So that was one of those for us where, you know, it was like a three, four month feature and kind of, you know, held a bunch of other things up that we couldn't release because it wouldn't work for agency resellers and only our direct customers. And we never want to do that. And a lot of learning things in in the process, right? So even though we have a pretty like refined process now and things uh, detailed out and we're still working on it, that's only because like we've learned the hard way through operating kind of loosey-goosey and as you go and just one foot in front of uh, of the other. And it usually leads to frustration and some missed things and things like that, where we just start looking at how do we use process to shore more of these things up? Yeah, I need to learn from that because you know, we basically do that one foot in front of the other until it's like, hey, we have something. Here it is. Try it. And I think that refining our processes would be very helpful. Yeah. We're always willing to try new things too, right? Uh, last week we had kind of our exec team summit and this was one of the, our big topics is like how our sprints work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in 20... I want to hear this. Yeah. So in 2018, you know, for the most part, we kind of, we put a sprint together with X amount of features and, and kind of say like, all right, this is what we think we can bite off. Mostly looking at it in about a six week cycle, okay. four, to, four to six week cycle. Yeah. And of course, you know, some a little quicker, most a little longer, depending upon if you kind of weighted them out the right way. And then we had that one really big one that took a, a big chunk out of the time. So, you know, in our rear view in 2018, we completed eight sprints in total with, you know, one being literally a three to four month sprint all by itself. Right. So this year, you know, one of the things that we met on that we were kind of looking at is how do we have some more predictability to a certain aspect 
And are we open to trying something a, a little bit different? Because we could definitely continue on like the way we're going, but we wanted to see, you know, based on predictability and time management and, you know, the marketing aspects and things that help that way in your business, should we do something else? So what we're trying for this year is kind of a, a combination of a couple different things. One, we pretty much looked at, you know, the calendar for the entire year and weighed out and said like, okay, let's have a feature of the month. This feature is something that we are absolutely going to deliver in this month. So we need to kind of backdate stuff in our process so that we know we can launch this feature in March. And right. we know we can launch this feature in April. Do you ever put some features in the bag where you're like, okay, we finished both our March and April features. And so we're just going to not release those until March and April. Um, yeah, we, we'll be willing to do that if that happens. Because the, the other thing after the, that high level um, is we basically have this huge cascading list of you know customer requests and other ideas and medium and smaller things. And we basically treat that as like a running list that if, you know, we're sitting good with when we need to deliver this bigger or the, you know, the quote unquote feature of the month, then we'll just start grabbing from the prioritized thing in, in that list, which literally there's hundreds. So there's no shortage there. And some of them, it can be banged out in a couple of days. So you're like, okay, well, we'll have no problem meeting that for our March right. feature of the month. Yep. Right. So that's what we're going to try for this year and, and see how it goes instead of, you know, just really defined sprints that are in a four week, a six week, right? This is something I definitely pay a lot of attention to and listen, read about how other companies do their sprints and you hear the opinions on what's too short and what's too long. You know, for us, we have a, we have a really productive engineering team. And so I don't, I don't want to ruin that because I know some of that is by not having just a ton of, you know, rigid guidelines yeah. to how and when it's going to happen. And so it's like, how, how do we get some of the predictability to hit some of our other goals and some of our other planning? The, the nice thing for me is it allowed me to lay out the, you know every month of 2019 and say like, all right, this is when we're going to deliver these things. And I know if I need to swap something based on a really big need or you know some type of vision or whatever else, like I'm going to have to pull something else out of that feature of the month category and then hope it can maybe find its way into the top of the other list to get handled. So it helped me vision wise for the entire year as a planning exercise. Yeah. So, you know, if I think about our process, if I said, okay, here's our six month sprint or a six week sprint, these are the features we're going to have done in that six week sprint. Let's say there's 14 features in there. I know by the time we get to the end that we only got like nine of them done. So like, how do you deal with that where you're like, oh, well, we were overly optimistic because everything always tends to take longer than you expect. And there are always things that come up that you couldn't expect, right? So you're like, I couldn't predict that this was going to like slow me down for three days while I was trying to build that feature, right? So like, how do you, is there a disappointment at the end of it? Or do you just take those extra six features and throw them into the next sprint? What do you do when you're sort of laying out these sprints? Yes. You know, sometimes they do get tucked into the next one. We have to shift it over. And sometimes some of them, we had a couple that just would float and float and float. And for different reasons, right? It's like, we just released this week, our Google My Business authorization that allows customers to reply to Google reviews right out of uh, GatherUp. Um, and that also basically enables the monitoring straight yeah, from love that and their API. Yeah, and that, that's something that we've had in beta and working for customers that asked for it for probably a year. But it was one of those that just never got tied off right because of a lot of, you know, 
just quirky things with it. And then Google updated their API in the middle of when we were working on it. So it's one of those that like stretched on and on forever. And it, you know, just finally ended up being something where I was tired of seeing it kind of on our like to-do list. It was like, all right, yeah. this is get like, we're almost to the goal line. We have to get this across. And so we had to buckle down. And it's a much harder thing to test too, because you need people with access to the Google My Business accounts to be able to authorize it and then see all the different errors it could throw off if it doesn't go through. And there's just a lot of edge cases with that kind of stuff. So it was a much harder one to deal with than when you build a feature that the data is in your control and the functionality is in your control and everything um, sits on on your side. So it, it was right. one that lingered on for a, a long time. So yeah, I, I don't have an exact, this is what we do when those things kind of fall off because we've had ones that kind of trickle along forever and we have other ones that just get buttoned into the next one and then get tied up. Sure. Well, I've been only asking because like I don't really structure these six week sprints. I don't really do anything called a sprint. It's just like, these are the projects. We have a massive to-do list. We drag things around and prioritize them and just things are getting picked off here and there. Features are getting completed and eventually the project makes its way to like launch, right? We're like, okay, we're good. We're going to launch this thing. But I don't plan it out in advance into these sprints. And I feel like if I did, I'd be disappointed at the end of every one and be like, oh, well, I guess we were overly optimistic. And so I'm just wondering how you <laughs> how you handle that. Yeah. Well, don't be afraid, Darren. Don't let fear control you. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's where, you know, who knows what the process we're doing, right? We could after this year or even mid-year, if it ends up being something that really isn't working for us, go back to how we were doing it before in more of a yeah. traditional, here's a sprint, Here's the six things included, and here's the six week time frame that we're going to try to get that done. Yeah, and one thing that would be nice, like with our sort of looser way, is that there's never a deadline. And so no one's got a fire under their ass to like get it done by X, right? Yeah. And so that's what the sprints would give you. In one sense, we do have deadlines because I have a weekly call with the different dev teams that are working on different projects. And in that call, we always say, okay, what's realistic that we could have done for our next call? for us to review on our next call. And so these weekly calls is kind of what keeps us pushing forward, right? And sometimes we're also op too optimistic on that. We might pick four things and say, okay, we'll have these four things working for demo. But when it comes to it, it's like, well, we were only able to get these two or three done because we got roadblocked on whatever. And so that's kind of how we set these weekly deadlines. And that's interesting. It was like a, it's something I started doing based off of a conversation I had with Dudley, who used to be with Moz. He used to be on the Moz local team. And he's building a new product now and directing a team. And he said that that's the way he organizes his sprints. He has like weekly sprints. And every week, they check in. And did you get these things done? If not, why not? What happened? And he's also really... This is something I, try to, I have to get better at because it keeps coming up. He's got this like laser focus everything that comes in that could potentially distract the team he's like can it wait till next week because then he just puts it on the next week sprint right or can it wait like till next month and so he's really like he does not want to take people off the track of the four things that were supposed to get done on that sprint and so that's one of the problems we have here it's like okay well the team is working on the local citation finder but we have these clients that are keep chirping. They're like, oh, hey, we'd like to have this on our rank track or we'd like to have this somewhere else. And so someone's asking for things all the time. And every once in a while, we're just like, okay, let's just get that done. And so it takes us off track, right? And sometimes it works out well. Like just last week or just this week, actually, we launched a white labeling feature for our 
rank tracking platform. So a business can now get their our rank tracking on their own subdomain. So I'm pretty excited about that. So we now nice. have that feature. We didn't have that before, but you know, it's the kind of thing like Troy is like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it. And it takes him an afternoon or two <laughs> to get it done. But it's it's also a little ug for me too, because you know, now I know I've pulled them off of the local citation finder, which when we have our call next week, it'll be like, well, I could have done more, but you asked me to do that rank tracker thing. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what you're getting at, that's probably the biggest thing I know I struggle with and I, I know is on me to, to always really drive and that's prioritization, yeah. right? Like what is a priority and then how do you, how do you set it up for the things that, that are behind it? Because everything you're talking about, I mean, we face it no different, you know, compared to what you were sharing, you know, a one week sprint for us would never, ever work. Our, our product's too complex now. We have too many dependencies. We have multiple user types of, you know, our segments and agencies use things a little different than multi-locations do. And we need to build it so it works for everybody. So that short of time frame is definitely out for us. But we have the same things in that time where we're working on something where, yeah, there's customer needs. The, the sales team has needs based on somebody they're trying to close. And if we had this feature, then we would win that deal. And where do you exactly. put that into yeah. place? And it's it's hard, right? You have a product manager that you know is trying to protect the team and make sure that uh, those things stay within reasonable planning and are reasonable to do. So I, I think that's hard for, for every um, SaaS company. I think evolution is important to me is just being real with, you know, what can be done? What is that list? And that's the one thing that I really liked about, you know, and again, all of it seems like a great idea now until we put it into practice. But the, the feature of the month thing made it so you could only get one big feature each month and you had to lay them out, right? right. So it gave me some prioritization and some discipline because there are certain things I'm looking at like, man, I'm not going to get that feature until August. I know, yeah. The other things in front of it that absolutely make sense to what's there and you know, the, the one thing to your comment earlier, I think it's absolutely important for people to have a finish line. When you don't have a date that the team is working towards uh, together and there's, you know, the peer accountability that goes into play and a well-communicated deadline and you're able to, you know, cheer people on for it and hold their feet to the fire even and, and everything else. To me, that's a really slippery slope not to get where you want to. I just think that's really important. For sure. It just becomes too easy to just be floating around doing all kinds of little things that maybe aren't the top priority. So prioritization is really the key. And I think part of the thing that I always look at is when I get these feature requests, I'm always trying to assess, is this a feature that's only going to benefit this one customer? Or is it a feature that will benefit all of our customers, make our product better, help us sell more? And then that's kind of how I I sort of put them on this scale of where they sort of fall in there. And so if they're really valuable, they'll get prioritized higher. If they're like, you know, really obscure, then they get to the, put to the bottom of the barrel and we don't really tell the client that requested it. We don't tell them a deadline. We're just like, yeah, we'll put that on the roadmap. But in the back of our minds, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever get to that. Yeah, totally. I, I think the important thing with customer request is actually peeling back the layers to what they're actually getting at, right? Because a lot of times their request is just the like the hack or the easiest way to get there that they can see in the product instead of 
actually really pinning down to like, what are they trying to learn? Right. What are they trying to execute? And then, then I look at it like if we built a feature that could do that, that would solve this for them. But then are there other things that this would also solve or value or benefits it would deliver to the rest of our customers? Yeah. And you can help them see a different way of, of getting at the same result, but with more benefit and also with a, a broader, you know, feature set benefit to your whole platform. Yeah. No, that's, that's how, I mean, the, especially the client side is really, really hard because you'll have all these different voices, different use cases. Um, and there's a, uh, based on, uh, if they're the loudest or they're paying the most, you know, so many different things can yeah. kind of factor into who and what, what you have to listen to. And even your own internal team, right? I look at who's bringing this to me. Is it our customer success team? Is it our sales team? Is it our management team? I mean, all those things factor in and that's where you really have to like weigh through and like, all right, which one of these am I actually going to grab a hold of and take and, and do something with? Because when you look at all, it's like we have our, we have a same, probably as you, we have a stand up all team meeting every Monday. And in each department section, there's feature requests in all of them. Right. And yeah. so it's it's kind of picking out where I see it. I don't know if the team always sees it that like, hey, guess what? There was actually like 13 feature requests in our meeting today. They saw the three out of their section and maybe not so much the cumulative of all of them from every aspect. Right. Yeah, I noticed actually Ahrefs uses a really interesting product called canny.io and they're using this to sort of keep track of all of those customer requests that are coming in. And then there's like a voting system. So you can, you know, if you have a feature request, first you can go and see if it already exists. And if it does, you upvote it as a, as a customer. And so they really use this to help guide their features and understand what's important. And they, they, it pops up within the tool and it's like it prompts you to, to request stuff. And I think it's really smart. And I've, I've been looking at it and I have our, uh, our customer success team testing it out and getting a sense for it. And we might actually roll that out into our product. It's, it just seems like a really good way to get all of that. Because there's so many customers that aren't going to tell you, right? They're just like, oh, I wish it had this feature, but that, they don't say anything about it, right? So prompting yeah. them, I think, could be a great way to drive that customer feedback. Yeah, we have definitely, we've talked about that in the past. A couple of things that we do to one, we use a product on the product management side called Product Board. And we use that to you know collect all the requests and everything else so we can see when some of these requests are, are doubling up. So we use uh -huh. it for kind of a capture side. It has a lot of other uh, features as well. I don't, I don't think we're maximizing it by any means, but it definitely helps us in, in certain areas. The other thing we've done for the last two years is uh, we usually send out in the summer kind of like a, a customer survey that's probably, you know, only yes. 10 or 12 questions. Totally. And we ask certain, you know, what feature in our product could you not live without, right? We, we want to understand what's really important to them. We want to understand additional ideas, understand where their head's at. And really, at the end of the day, for me, it's kind of a combination of those things, right? Because one, your customers aren't always going to get what your long-term vision is or where you're trying to evolve to. So I have that in my head and my gut, as well as other members of our team that come up and throw ideas into the hopper that we elaborate on. Then you have what customers are asking for. Then you also have what competitors are building and what they're doing, right? Because sometimes you have to build things just to keep up with the Joneses in, in certain areas. And you have to decide like, Am I fine with this being a differentiator between our two products based on what our vision is and maybe what they're trying to be? Or do I need to have this because this has become, you know, the expected feature 
in this product category. Yeah, and your sales team can help you vet that too, right? So they're like, oh, we lost yep. this deal to X competitor because they have this feature and we don't. And so that's where you really yep. have to prioritize those things. Yeah. And sometimes it makes it really nice. Like in my, I deal a lot with our multi-location sales and I've been really fortunate lately that it's like there's kind of the same one or two features that they're all talking about and mentioning. Yep. And that makes it very easy for me when I go to build our, our use case, why we should do it and prioritize it and have it be one of the features of the month that, you know, this is something that customers of this size that would mean this dollar volume to us actually want and want to see. And then we go and married against what, you know, what our vision is and what we're trying to accomplish. And if it checks out there, you know, then, then you can move on those things. But it is, it's a moving target. It's very challenging. As I mentioned, prioritization is really hard. And yeah, we've, we've developed a lot more processes and feature, our own internal feature set and how we do those things. And I feel like we get better and better every time we kind of optimize it and tweak it and try something, whether it works or not. Right. We were inspired, actually, by your customer survey. We got that customer survey and we thought we definitely need to do something like this for our local citation finder. And we started putting it together. But I realized, you know, like some of the questions like, what is the one feature you would really want? Or what is the one thing that really annoys you about the product that you wish it could do, but it doesn't do? All these questions, I already know all the answers to those because they're the same things I want in the tool, the same things that bug me about our current tool. And so we actually scrapped the idea of sending it out because we're in the middle of rebuilding it to my dreams, right? So we're building my dream version of this software right now. And so there's no point asking everybody because they're all going to answer the things that I already know. And I also know it because of our, our cancellation form. When someone cancels, we ask them, why are you canceling, right? And so we've been collecting that data for a long time and it's all right there. It's like, I know exactly why people are canceling what they want that we don't provide. And so now our vision is to build all of that. And we will, once we kind of get the new version up and running and everyone's using it, then we're going to survey them and, and say, like, okay, well, what's next? Like, what are the things that we didn't catch? Yeah, well, the only thing I would caution you, so there's a couple of other like second level benefits. One, you're reaching out and getting a touch point with your customers. Right, that's helpful. In one that's structured that says, we care what you have to say, right? And to me, that's a really important thing. Even though if you have a great idea on what they already might say, now you're giving them a chance to be heard. And then when you go to create it, even if it's all the things you already heard, now that customer feels like you listened. To that's so such a smart point. Like we're creating that connection. I really, what you just said makes so much sense and I'm going to do it. We're going to launch that thing because then we, even though everything might be what they asked for, we're going to deliver it. It's a, you asked for it, we deliver it. We're listening to you. We care about you. Oh my God. Yes, we definitely have to send it. And, and it helps them realize too that you've you've queried the crowd, right? So it's not just like what Darren decided or the team decided or whatever else. They understand like, hey, they did to some extent, they put this out for a vote. They let everybody have a voice, whether we took the time to fill it out or what we said. And even if it's not exactly in alignment with what I put out there, I know they were at least listening to us. Yep. We were one of the data points they considered when they made those choices. So right. I think there's a, a ton of wins, even though you might be exactly right. You might 100% know what's all on there. But there's a lot of validation and just good karma, I think, by engaging with your customers mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, speaking of that, as we uh, wrap up, you next week uh, when this airs, you're going to be probably engaging with some of your customers face-to-face because -face, you're going to be at Local U Advance yeah. in Santa Monica. Yep. Looking forward to that. There's not very many local search people other than you that won't be there. It's, it's pretty much everyone's going to be there. So many of the, the local search people will be there. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. I can't wait to see Susan Stopey 
Susan Stovey's going to be there. Nice. Yeah, she won one of our tickets to the event, so she's going to be there. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to hanging out with everyone there. Oh, yeah. She's going to be super, super pumped. And you're going to go to Saster, right? Yep, I'm very bummed. I'll be just north of you in San Jose at Saster, which obviously, you know, biggest conference in the SaaS industry. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm bringing um, one of uh, the guys on our team that's only been with us a year. He kind of heads up all of our customer experience and interface design stuff. And just excited for him to just see, you know, how big our industry is and just absorb a lot of the industry talk things, nice things that we get after all the time yep. to what we're talking about now, right? There's tracks on uh, product, there's tracks on churn and sales, right. and just so many of those a- aspects that are, are there. So that's, that's really exciting. And, you know, hopefully by the next time we talk as well, your new little free tool will be out. We can talk about how the launch of that and what the uptick looks definitely, like. Definitely. Yeah, it'll definitely be out within the next couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Two weeks is this like magic number. I always say it's going to be out in two weeks. But you know. All right. Well, maybe you'll take some of what we talked about and you will set a deadline and you will make sure you hit it. Just, just to have some content for the next time we talk, right? I'll definitely have content. We'll, we'll, we'll be two weeks further ahead anyways. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been another great episode. We now have two under the belt. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed our talk about how we approach some of our sprints and releasing features and then the things that all go along with that. I don't know about you, Darren. I was really excited to see the amount of people that shared what we're doing socially, some of the comments, yeah. starting to see a few reviews trickle in. We would love more reviews on um, iTunes, especially. And you know, thanks people for, to, for sharing what we're doing uh, socially. And don't hesitate to reach out to either one of us if there's a topic you'd like to see us tackle or share about what we're doing inside of our company. Like that's the whole point of this is sharing things that people might want to know that don't, it's not always easy to get a look inside other companies and what they're doing. All right. With that, episode two of the SaaS Venture is a wrap. And thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. We did it. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you.